enter the world of mind your own marketing business, explore a variety of trends in the creative landscape, getting insider knowledge from the industry's best. George is proud to present Mind Your Own Marketing Business with host Joe Barsness. Thanks for joining us on the Mind Your Own Marketing Business podcast. I'm Joe Barsness from web and mobile development team Fjorge. And today on our show, we'll be talking with Tim Brown from Hook Agency. Welcome hey. to the show, Tim. Hey, how's it going, Joe? <laughs> Uh, thanks for doing this, man. I know we've know I, we've known each other for a little bit of time, so I'm really excited to hear about uh, you and Hook and and some. I know you guys specialize in some of uh, digital marketing pieces, so I'm looking forward to get an intro to that. Um, but to start off with, uh, Tim, I always want to hear what is Tim's background. Uh, tell me a little bit how Hook became to be and what you guys do there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we. You know, our pretty young company, three years, um, four years now. Uh, and before that, I had it as a freelancing thing. I was, uh, you know, I, it was called Tim B Design and mostly web design stuff. Um, we've grown into more of a search engine optimization, get higher on Google kind of company. But my background, you know, I went to school for web design. I worked for another agency. I got into the spot where I felt like I could do things better, <laughs> had all sure. kinds of like, you know, wide-eyed ideas. I certainly felt a good amount of pain those first couple of years running agency, um, but we found kind of a sweet spot and found, you know, where we're really useful to people. And I think that that's all you could really hope for. So um, now that we, you know, have a, we're, we're hiring the 15th person and we've got, um, a little bit of momentum. I feel like um, there's there's a lot of things that uh, I I try to help other agencies with. Like if if there's a smaller agency, I try to be useful. Kind of that whole like send the elevator down thing, and sure. then and then also just like anything that we do as a marketing specialty, day in and day out. Just I like we have this mindset around it. Like be as useful as possible to the audience. Uh, as you possibly can, especially for things that like we spend 40 hours a week times 15 on, you know, like, um, so we try to make those things simple for people. We don't think marketing, uh, needs to be super complicated. Although like, you know, obviously that final 20% of expertise takes 10, 20 years to acquire the first, the first stuff that you can do, like I try to share that stuff with people no matter where they're at in the marketing journey because there's some things that are just really useful and I've I've kind of had to scrape my my knees against the, the, <laughs> the gravel trying to learn those things. And so I try to help people learn them quicker so that they don't have to go through as much pain. Sure, sure, sure. And I like the analogy of elevator down because the first time I met you, I definitely took an elevator down. To your old office. <laughs> um, yes, and, and we finally have Windows, so I'm really excited about that. <laughs> That's basically amazing that we have Windows now. Um, if nothing else, I feel like I've succeeded. Just the fact my office has Windows. There you go. Um, it's a it's a very good. You, you're moving on up, I guess you could say. <laughs> exactly. Um, Second floor, to be exact. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, so. You know, and, and oh, I forgot to mention, I always uh, ask, uh, tell us a little bit more about like where you're located. You're in Minneapolis, yes. but where in Minneapolis are you located? Yep, we're in the North uh, the North Loop, uh, right across the street from Smack Shack. I think a lot of people like sure. Smack Shack and then Black Sheep Pizza, both 
great little restaurants uh, that, you know, it's kind of a cool strip over here on the North Loop. I know that you're not far away, Joe, um, your guys' office, and there's just been uh, a lot of, there's a lot of culture around here. So I'm, I'm, I am obviously ex- anxious as everyone is for kind of the COVID stuff to whenever, whenever it could make its way out, that would be great. Uh, and then the culture can resume a little bit more around here, but um, it's a wonderful, cool place. There's ghost signs everywhere. Those kind of like old uh, washed out signs that like sure. really make a, f- uh, I think it makes a cool vibe around here. Uh, there's For a lot sure. of agencies around here, and um, I think a lot of room to be a specialized agency, which I think is, I think it's cool. I think it's, I love, I like agency culture. I like a lot of the different kinds of agencies in Minneapolis, especially people that know what they do well and you know, work really hard at it. For sure. For sure. Um, tell me about um, something really cool that you've done in your career. Um, I know you've done some cool things at Hook, um, but is there anything that really stands out as like a milestone moment for you? Uh, funny enough, I guess I'll just go with I, I, you know, two years out of college, I had my website, like my own personal website, optimized to the point where I was able to get Mall of America as a client. I actually brought them into my the other agency that I was working at at the time I didn't take it as a freelance client but I still think of that as kind of like a and actually you know what that's a point of pride too that I I I brought that into my agency so that I was the kind of person that did I went and sold them too I went I went to Mall of America and hung out with them and then so had them work with us and I, I designed and developed that it was a blog but I designed and developed that website I basically did everything. I think that that was a kind of defining moment for me. Like sure. you kind of realize you can do all the components of something. And um, I guess that was a point of, you know, I could say like I've won a couple of awards or something like that, but those are usually BS anyways. And, <laughs> um, I, I'm very, I like that I was able to do end to end stuff and now I'm, actually much more grateful that I don't have to do end to end everything. I have a, you know, we have a very good team, but like, that's kind of like one of those things where you just want it. You want to be a linchpin, especially when you're like a young employee, you want to find ways to be extremely valuable to your employer. So I really took pride in that. I took pride in being, trying to be the most valuable player and, and also like championing the people around me. Like I did, I liked to, talk about the things that my teammates did really well. But I was also, you know, just kind of that competitiveness. I want to be super valuable. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, Great. Thanks for sharing. I think um, what I wanted to ask is, and this comes from something that I saw that you posted on LinkedIn recently, that you, your team at Hook got 100,000 people on your website in a month. And to me, that sounds like a large volume for a 14, 15 person company. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to start there. And, 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 but I also think it, it leads into what we're going to talk about yeah. with SEO and like, can you yeah. give us, how did, how did you guys get there and what has yeah. it done for your business? Yeah, real briefly. And I'll try to tell the story briefly, but obviously there's a lot of twists and turns that gets here, but I, I will try to try to say it succinctly. I started blogging as soon as, like, while I was still in college. 
on my my own personal portfolio website and what i was kind of discouraged by right away that like people don't just come to your blog post because you put it out there and and it stinks it kind of like i wish that people would just come to your blogs and everyone cared about everything i had to say but they didn't so i started looking into search engine optimization because i wanted people to come to the website and frankly i had stepped out of a, a role at a restaurant where i was working and i basically had put all my weight onto my my web design stuff like i i sure i had like one client and i just was like all right quitting job now go <laughs> you know like just a ridiculous like tactic but anyways i learned as much as i could about seo because i needed it and um then i started blogging more i i was getting i kind of got to the spot I did have to go work for another agency. I, I didn't know enough yet to really fend for myself. So after I graduated, I went and joined this other agency. What I, what I was taught there, two main things. One, you need to do really, really long form content because that's really what gets, that, that helps a lot. That helps get traffic. And two, and so actually I did some blogs around that that were like, I did like a, ultimate guide to hand lettering and that got me traffic but it's not the right people there so that was sure. you know i don't know i got a hundred two hundred people a month and then i the other thing i learned was what i would call osmosis effect for seo which is just if you have at, at the time it was like a guide around conversion rate optimization actually we had e-commerce seo and we also did one around conversion rate optimization. We did giant guides, and then we also had a landing page for that, and it was linked to on the guide, and it was promoted on the guide. So you had this service page and this really gigantic guide. And because you did both, Google started associate, it's basically user signals. So there's like user signals for that term, like let's say e-commerce SEO. You have user signals that say this site is the is the authority on e-commerce SEO. So we had this giant guide for that. So people would spend 10, 15, 20 minutes on this guide and it was really well done and we spent a lot of time on it. Probably too much, right? For for just what sure. it was. But then the the landing page would do really well because of it. And we kept on running this playbook and it worked, worked, worked. And um yeah, I just learned that. I learned it from my friend Griffin Rohr, who still is really heavy into e-commerce SEO and runs an awesome company called Uproar, U-P-R-O-E-R.com. And they're awesome at it, right? Like e-commerce SEO is hard. He's really, really, really good at it. Um, and uh, I took that. So I took that idea because I needed to get more relevant stuff on my website, not just like get a bunch of people there for hand lettering, which is just a passion project. So I started, you know, I, I built things around Minneapolis web design. That was a big thing for me. Like it still is, it still brings in business, all that. And at a certain point though, I kind of got hung up, like right around 400 people a day on the website, I got hung up and I, I basically, it wasn't going up. No matter how many ultimate guides I did, it wasn't going up. So I reached out to this guy who is really good at this other part of SEO, which is link building. Mm -hmm. Man, I need to go quicker. I'm sure this is boring the non-technical people. <laughs> no, but no. Link going. building is really cool. And honestly, there's almost a little sneaky part to it that you can acquire links on other websites around the internet without like $100,000 in PR, right? Because that's... Sure. Like the big players don't even need this stuff. Like big boys, like, 
you know, a Lowe's or a Target.com or whoever, you know, like they don't need this stuff because they don't need to be scrappy. They don't need to be that resourceful. Like they have PR, they have big, you know, big campaigns. But for us little businesses, link building is a real, you know, even little to midsize, like even up to like 100K, like, and really it's a really 100K I'm saying, or sorry, 100 million in revenue. That's what I meant to say. But also like any site that's not reached full maturity yet, there's kind of like this, a link saturated website, like a website that has like 10 links, like from Forbes.com, Inc.com, Entrepreneur.com. That's like a that's like a link saturated site. And we have had clients like that where they're not like a huge business, but they have a link saturated site. Now, most of our websites are not that way. Most companies under 100 million. Now, we serve a lot of clients in that one to $10 million range, maybe 20, 30, 40. Um, those people need links to their website to make their website appear more authoritative. And there's tons of ways to do that that are completely legitimate. And at the time, at that time, I think I did a few more that were illegitimate. Like I was, I was <laughs> sure. new to all this. So I was just like, what? You can buy a link? Let's go. You know, um, sure. I've learned, I've since learned a lot of ways to scale it out without doing it just like that. But guest posting is one of them. So I wrote for a website called lifehack.org and it had authority, meaning Google respected that website. And when I linked to my site, even if it wasn't even at that time, it wasn't even on a relevant blog post. I wrote for them for what that, whatever they'd let me write about, which was the stupidest thing ever. It was like dog versus cat owners, who's smarter or something like that. <laughs> and that was like this dumb clickbait article. And I remember getting roasted on their Facebook for it, but it totally like that link made my website go up in Google like a lot just because it was on authoritative websites. So um, weirdly enough, I mean, I know the ideal. I know the ideal really is relevant content on a relevant website, but authority is the first step. Like you have to get trust from Google's algorithm and its algorithm basically um, trusts these big sites that, that have a lot of traffic. So that's kind of, you got to figure out a way to get links from those and you got to figure out a way to get links to different pages on your website. So anyways, I figured that out and my traffic went up to a thousand people a day and I was over the moon. It was so cool. I had this like epiphany that I was, that I was capable of doing that. And I, I basically felt like I had fire coming out of my hands. And I, sure. you know, that powerful moment, right? That those times, the, the, the time when the, the ugly girl in the movie puts, takes off the glasses, right? Like the, the time where the superhero, like the cape drops out of the back of their suit or whatever, right? That moment, I felt like, I felt like I was entering the party for uh, Google traffic. Cause basically uh, I knew that I could get more links and I knew I could write for more people. And that's the way I scaled that up for myself. I just wrote for a lot of things. Like I was willing to write blog posts. I wrote blog, a blog post a day for a year. Now, most of that never got one page view of traffic besides maybe my mom. But uh, <laughs> I learned a lot. I learned a ton. So, um, so many lessons along the way about what does and does not work. And then when I went out on my own, probably about three years after I um, worked at that other agency, they let me be the marketing director. And I did have one moment where I got to double their traffic. But you and I both know traffic doesn't necessarily always um, equal leads. So that's something sure. I've struggled with because I love traffic, 
but it is one of those things where you can have very high traffic increase and you always kind of got to bring it back to leads. I think the funny thing is though, real quick on that is just people don't, you really do have to have traffic in general to get leads though. So there's kind of this weird chicken and the egg thing and I, I unequivocally vote for chicken, meaning traffic. You need sure. the chicken. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. So that's my take yeah. on that controversy. So, and I think like you describing how you got there is indicative, I assume, of what you've transferred to um, some of your, some strategy. And I know it's evolved. Yeah. It's not the same as it used to be. Yeah. But kind I, of yeah. catapulted yourself that way or your team. Exactly. I've had a lot of failure in all that, I think is also like, the, this, the hard part is, is like we love telling people how to do stuff, right? Like we love telling people if we can, here's the five things I'd do if you don't buy our services. Because we do get a lot of leads. Like we get a ton. Like we get like 10 leads a week or whatever and three of them are maybe the right fit and seven of them are not. That's like the, the curse of having a lot of traffic is like we get a lot of leads and a lot of stuff to sort through too. Um, and the hard part is it's, I give you the five things that you can do real quick, but then there is a lot of nuance to that, and I've failed so many times in some of these methods. Sure. Um, it's well, difficult to transfer them quickly. Let's 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 give it a shot. Like, yeah, let's I, try. I don't know if you have five, but like, yeah. what are five things you can do to drive more leads on a website? Like, what what yeah. are the things these days that you can do or hire somebody to do? Yeah. Um, well, you know, I'm basically a huge fan of content marketing. And I think the number one thing that people can do for their content marketing is they can ask or like listen to the questions that people say during the sales process and try to answer them or the implied questions. And even like, let's say a competitor is being, you're, you're being compared with a competitor or there's three competitors that you keep on coming up against. Why can't you do the versus post or why can't you do the list um, that has the best insert your thing here? It may be in your area or maybe in your niche. Um, I think the questions though often are centered around, you know, how long does it take for this result or how to choose, like, I still think it's a good post if you don't have it, like how to choose what you do, right? Like yeah. how to choose that. And I also think the other weird unintended benefit, like, and, and this is probably something more if you did it internally, um, the unintended benefit sometimes of blogging is like the confidence in your people. Sometimes your people, it's a good experience to write your thought process around things. Sure. And so I, I always think that that's a good thing that, Sometimes that's just us and our, our clients don't get that because they have us write for them even. But uh, it's, good. it's a really good thing. I love writing. It just helps clarify my thoughts. But definitely blog posts around um, questions that ideal customers have. Don't spend all your time writing for non-ideal customers like, how can I get the cheapest whatever? Like that's not an ideal customer, right? So <laughs> ask the question like, and, and basically it's like when a question comes out like three times and it might seem kind of silly, like a question for me or our company, like on the web design, you know, marketing web design stuff. It's like, how does the back end of the website look or how easy will it be to edit? Like, and that's a good thing to do a blog post about or a video or about or those types of things. Sure. Um, 
And like that's such a big concern for people because they've been burned before because they've had a website that they couldn't do anything on, right? Yeah, um, that's that's a reason for changing and rebuilding. Yeah. It's a funny it, it is an interesting reason, but it makes sense, right? Like if you can't update your content on a regular basis. And then the next thing I'd say is just um, social proof. So testimonials, but I actually like to make testimonials look like reviews. Like in that there should be a five star icon. There should be where was this review left logo. Like if it's on Google or it's Facebook, um, a photo of the person who said it. Um, sure. Ideally, you identify the real company that they work at if it's a B2B thing. And these things, they lend credibility. And once you realize, I think one of the things I realized is like no one trusts anything on the internet anymore. Sure. So you have to bend over backwards to give them the things they need to trust you. For early startups, that might be something that's a little, you know, or like, you know, companies that haven't made it a point to ask for reviews, that might be a challenge. And I think the challenge is let's go, let's figure out a system for asking for reviews. A great system we have at our company is you get a hundred bucks if you instigate a five-star review. Like not not the um, customer, but the employee who asked. Sure. sure. So like it's just, it basically builds it into the culture. That's one way to get them. Um, but basically testimonials that look like reviews, we like those all over the website. We think that that's one of these like, things every website can have that increases that trust more quickly. Um, I like making them kind of primary. I like, you know, it's funny, clients always like wince at the whole like take a photo, like maybe we're just gonna cut that part out and we push back. <laughs> sure. Um, like I need to see a human that left that. I, that's just a real thing that like we don't trust anything on the internet anymore, unfortunately. I mean. I don't know what happened, but nothing's trustworthy on the internet anymore. And we have to be, we have to be cognizant of the fact that people just don't trust you. Um, sure. No, that, it's that interesting. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, like, is there any other? I mean, those are great things that I'm hearing. Yeah. I'm, in fact, I'm yeah. writing them down for myself. Yeah. Are there? Is there anything else or I, I, there sure. that like? Did we get to five? Do you have any other? I've got ones? three more. Okay. I've got three more. Okay. One. Okay. Is and I'm you know, one is call to actions everywhere on the website, and two key places that I think people miss the call to action because everyone knows call to action, right? If you're in marketing more sure. than three months, you know, call to action, call to action. I'll, but two key place, places I see people miss out is that top right corner that uh, let's say it's a contact link. Why not turn that into a button? Now, this is a very, very common thing nowadays, but a lot of people are still missing it and it's an opportunity. So a contact button um, and actually making it look like a button, calling it out from the rest of the menu or free consultation or free demonstration or whatever it happens to be. And then another place is the interior pages on the bottom of the website. So I, I just think it's really all about next obvious step or obvious next step, right? Sure. So having that obvious next step at, and I just, like we build them into the footer, like let's say on WordPress, like we build that call to action into the footer. So it's basically part of the structure of the internal pages always. And you can, you know, like maybe we do an optional show height or something like that. But the idea is like, 
this is the default setting. There should always be a call to action section that's basically as good as your homepage hero section, that, that top before you scroll on the homepage. It should be that good. Mm-hmm. Like you should figure out a way okay. to make there, there be a pitch at the end of every page. Now, maybe it's not the right time for them to make a next step or that, that type of thing, but I like it because like at least they know what the website's for. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like at least they know what your ultimate goal for having them there is. Like, what, sure. like you know, sometimes, you know, we're doing three things on a, a website. Sometimes we're trying to sell the new employees. They don't get in new employees. Sometimes we're trying to get people to download our latest tool or join a class. But the main thing we want the, them to do is get a consultation or something, right? Yep. Make sure that there's clarity around what the what your main thing that you want people to do is and that's one way to do it is put it on every you know the the inside bottom of every page and does this this gets a little into like the user experience once you drive all this traffic there you know so like i'm gonna interject i know you got two more things but like how does like the user experience affect seo is there any correlation or is it just a funnel that we should be I, thinking about. I'm gonna go. I'm I'm gonna rattle that stuff off real quick here. I want I want to share that stuff, and I, I have it because I'll just share the last two real quick, and then I'll go into okay. that. So we kind of okay. snip off this thought, and then get to the other one very quickly. Um, the other things I think are you focused language, ideal customer focused language. So always thinking about your ideal customer and focusing on them and making them the hero of the story. That's a huge one, like um, from my point of view to get more uh, leads is basically like make it about them. So instead of saying we're the most you know, award-winning, you know, we work with a lot of construction companies, so contractor or whatever in the tri-state area or whatever, we're talking about you want your home to be the absolute uh, perfect paradise for your family. You, you talk about the result that you want and or the fears, right, that they have and focus on them. And then I think uh, the last thing that I'm going to talk about is just there should be more content than some of us are comfortable with putting on their website. So having sections, that make, making the, I like longer pages. I like um, content that people can go through. Like, this is more for SEO, but you can basically make it feel not overwhelming by not making it a wall of text. You can have more sections and show hides and things to kind of tuck away some of that text while still giving it the visibility on Google that we want, which incorporates more text. Now, real quick, I I want to say these things like the main reason that user experience affects SEO is that Google's algorithm knows, I'm saying knows because it's easier to humanize it than go into like the technology around it. I don't even fully understand the technology. What I know is the results. Google changes the results. Um, it will either either move down your web page or move up your web page based on how long people are spending on your website and how often they're clicking back to the search results because it knows when somebody go, clicks this and then comes back. So there's this problem, this massive problem that people have is that people are going to their website and then, cl- and then clicking back to Google. Going to their website, clicking back to Google. And that is decreasing their rank on Google. So making a great user experience matters a lot. And some of it is just empathy with the people that land on our website. How can we make it easier for them to enjoy that experience of landing on the website and how can we keep them for longer? 
sure. I love intro text, like bigger intro text on pages. I like having an image right away so that people can, you know, identify a lot of times as a human, you know, like identify um, obvious next steps. We kind of already talked about that, but having clarity around what you're supposed to do on this website, what's the point? And then four, breaking up text with headlines. You don't want just 50 headlines or 50 paragraphs and no, you know, sub headlines on a blog post and you want smaller sections. So I say, you know, talking about hiding big chunks of text and show hides and then having those sections where it's like basically one paragraph at a time if it's a cell page, like having shorter text so they can scan and they're looking at an image and a little bit of text and an image and a little bit of text and maybe you're alternating the images. It's just basic um, kind of keep keep people on that page. So that's what I think about on the sh on the selling pages. But basically, none of this matters that much unless you understand that people clicking back to the search results right away from your web pages is costing you money. Like it's negative for your, they're, they're not gonna, you know, it's bad for you because it's not just bad because they didn't become a customer, it's bad because it drives down your ranking. So everyone that is spending time on making a good experience on their website is also, that, that is also has, has a positive effect on their search and like their search engine results on average. It's not, a, it's not super, it's hard to get really granular, but I've seen so many examples of this where it's the case. And Google does have patents out for things along these lines. And uh, it's, it is a pretty well-known thing in the SEO community. Um, but there's a, there's a positive benefit to working on the user experience of your website for that reason. Got it, no, I love it. No, that's, that's a great, that's all some great notes that every single marketer who works on a company's website can, can take back um, from this conversation and kind of start to think about how you can do those things. And then I guess the last question is, you know, some back to the basics, you know, there's only one way to know that you had 100,000 people visit your website. And you probably get a little more granular with your tracking, but tell me a little bit, um, we're running out of time here, but tell yeah. me a little bit about how you're authenticating what's going on and using data on, on from Google Analytics or whatever analytics yeah. to make changes to the website. Yeah, I love um, Google Analytics. What I will say is I also love Google Search Console, which is kind of that younger or that, that lesser known brother that doesn't get enough love. Um, Search Console is a great way to get keyword level attribution for the amount of traffic that you're getting and then increasing the, you know, basically once you know what things people are searching, you can increase the content on those pages for those terms and then also get links back to your website about those. Um, but yeah, Google Analytics is awesome. Google Search Console is awesome and yes, uh, mature organizations do push on the SEO of the of the pages that are actually getting them new business, and that's where your the primary focus of your stuff should be. So, how do you figure that out? There's two ways: you use conversion tracking through Google Analytics for us. You know, that's one of the things we do, and then also just I like to ask. You know, you can ask on a questionnaire, a follow up. Um, I do all of it because, frankly. 
it's hard to get keyword level attribution for you know your tracking through Google Analytics. Even there's tools to work around it, but it's imperfect. And I think asking is honestly the easiest way to do it. So if you have a questionnaire or you have a, you know, that's something, it's kind of an old school thing, but just do it. Just ask, hey, where did you hear about us? If you Googled something, do you remember what you Googled? That's not, there's nothing wrong with that. Sure. No, I like it. I like it. Um, well, Tim, sorry to cut you off, but that's all Dude. we have, uh, have for today. All oh, the good. time we have for today on Mind Your Own Marketing Business. Uh, you can find Tim Brown from Hook Agency. I think there's lots of links to his social media. He's got some good things going on on, on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook. But go to hookagency.com. And once again, I want to thank uh, all of our listeners for joining us. You can download episodes of our program by going to fjordsdigital.com slash business or subscribing to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Thanks so much again, Tim. I hope you have a great rest of your day. Awesome. Thanks, man.